Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's Zoom class. And welcome to another lecture given by our Oceanside, California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1994. We hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which were contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God and the correct name of the Holy Spirit, manifest in or out of a physical body, is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted as Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles. They are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name and a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of the chart 
to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. And this form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, the self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call this man when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. And the tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The 10 primary constitutional objectives or aims of the Institute are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. 
and 10 to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this evening with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. And it'll be Matthew, the 25th chapter. Good afternoon, class. Good to be with you. Let us all bow our hearts and minds to, to our heavenly father, Yahweh, who has been gracious and seen fit to bring us all together in the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah. We want to thank you, Yahweh, for all the many, many blessings that you have bestowed upon us, given us of your spirit, of your Holy Spirit, which is our only way to understand you and Yahshua with. Without that Holy Spirit, there is no understanding. And you have been gracious to give it unto us freely. We just ask that you continue to strengthen us in these last days. We're in some very tough times, but we have the overcomer who, can, who has already overcome death and can, is continuing to reveal himself unto us. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for being able to say that we have a clear and understandable recognition of you, Yahshua, and you have given that unto us, and we stand in that, and we appreciate that so very much. We want to thank you in the name of our Savior, the only name that we can be saved in, which is Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say, hallelujah. <coughs> hallelujah. Good evening, class. Tonight, I'll be reading Matthew, the 25th chapter from the Holy Name Bible. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins, virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Sir, sir, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, 
who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded them with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that receiveth one went and digged in the earth and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and bought other five talents, saying, Sir, thou deliveredest me unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His master said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy master. He also that had received two talents came and said, Sir, thou deliveredest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His master said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy master. Then when then he which had received one talent came and said, Sir, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strewed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there ha thou hast thy, that is thine. His master, master answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathereth where I had not strewed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath been given, and he, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep, sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and ye gave me food. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Sir, when saw thee hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? 
For when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then sh he, shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, unto everlasting fire, prepared for the adversary and his angels. For I was hungry, and ye gave me no food. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in, naked, and ye clothed me not, sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Sir, when saw we thee hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. Uh, our scripture readers this evening will be Dr. Andrea Volpe from our Oceanside class and Dr. Deb Cometti from our Syracuse class. And we're going to have a three-speaker format this evening, and each speaker will get approximately 35 minutes. And our first speaker this evening will be Dr. May Cohen from our Northside Chicago class. Oh, wow. <laughs> can you all hear me? Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I call myself sneaking in. I said, all right, I'm home. Oceanside is on. I'm going to just sneak on in there and listen, <laughs> listen to class. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, I'm really glad to be able to... Um, visit with you guys in Oceanside. And I'm just so thankful um, to be a part of this great gospel. We are in very perilous times, you know, within the world and within our own organization. But one thing I will say, this gospel of the kingdom, get the scripture where it says this gospel of the kingdom uh, shall be preached for witness. Get that scripture. Mm -hmm. And also, also, uh, also get for me uh, John five thirty nine and uh, and five forty three. But go ahead and read Matthew twenty four fourteen. Mm -hmm. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And now that that is occurring. That is occurring right now. That is occurring right now because Yahweh set up a series of events where we have to meet on Zoom. We're not meeting in our various physical classes. We're meeting on Zoom and this gospel. And even before, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic came about, we were uh, still posting on YouTube, but even more so now, you know, we're able to go and visit. Like I'm sitting in my uh, living room here in Chicago, Illinois, 
but I am in Oceanside, California. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? And I love how Helen Watson explains Zoom, you know, how, you know, with a quickness, you know, we can go and visit all these different classes and we don't even have to leave our homes, you know, and this gospel of the kingdom is being preached throughout the world. There are people that uh, have access to YouTube everywhere and they're they're you know, they may stumble across a class and they listen. We've we've got a guy and maybe he visited your class, too, but we got a guy that comes to our class that that's in uh, lives in Malaysia. You know, this gospel is being preached all over the world. And, you know, as a series of events coming up in our own organization is trying to shut that down. And the first thing I thought when this occurred, I thought about those boys, you know, soon after this particular age began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they were preaching in the name of Yahshua Messiah and they were brought again. Uh, uh, they were brought uh, in the presence of the Sehedron Council and they told them, don't preach in that name no more. They even beat the boys up. You know, they even beat them up and roughed them up and said, look, don't be preaching in that name no more. So my uh, my testimony is the same as I think it was Peter and John that was brought uh, before the assembly, if I'm not correct. But my uh, testimony is the same as theirs. Uh, do we listen to you or do we listen to what thus saith Yahweh? This gospel is going to be preached. I don't care, you know, in regards to the organization and, and what they're trying to do. I don't care the cease and desist or whatever it is. This gospel is going to be preached. Continue to read. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto mm -hmm. all nations. Mm -hmm. Then shall the end come. So see, we it's like with, with a, a series of events that's occurring in our own organization is really letting us know because we're already at the end. You know, we know technically, according to the vision of revelation that was given to Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, the end occurred in 1960. We're technically in a probationary period, you know, but we're even that much closer, you know, and we were told, you know, because I know some people, you know, uh, I've talked to some people and they've gotten really upset about it and stuff like that. No need to be upset. No need to be thrown off because we were told that these things would occur. We were told that these things would happen and it's coming to pass just as we were told. But the gospel of the kingdom until the very last second of the realm of time, this gospel is going to be preached. It cannot be deterred. Now you can uh, kick us out of a so-called organization or you can, you know, uh, whatever you think you might want to do, but this gospel is going to be preached. Okay. Is that all to that? Yes. Okay. Uh, get uh, John uh, 5.39 and then uh, uh, drop to 43, but read John 5.39 first, please. John 5.39. Mm -hmm. Search the scriptures. Okay. All right. Now it says search the scriptures. So I want you to hold that and let's get Isaiah 8 and 20 because we need to know what the scriptures are. You know, when I first came up in the school, I thought the scriptures was the Bible, the book, you know, but we're instructed according to the divine vision of revelation that was given to Dr. Henry Clifford Kenley, what the scriptures are now. If these things would not have been pointed out to us, you know, we wouldn't have never known these things. You know, uh, Dr. Kenley said when he was given this vision and revelation, he said to make me prove it until you are satisfied. And he also said that Yahweh saw fit to give him this divine panoramic vision of revelation, which he uh, claimed came from Yahweh himself. 
But he said, make me prove it until you're satisfied. So Yahshua Messiah, now, if you got a red edition of the Bible, this is Yahshua Messiah talking. And he said, now you search some scriptures. So let's read what the scriptures are. Isaiah 8 and 20. Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law mm -hmm. and to the testimony. Okay, now it says to the law and to the testimony. Okay, now the law is the first five books of the Bible, you know, uh, given authorship unto Moses. And the testimony is the remaining 34 books, 39 books in all. Now it says to the law and to the testimony, what they commonly call the Old Testament. Continue to read. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Now, see, we came up in the school and we got we had to be re-instructed re on uh, different definitions. You know, for instance, it said if they speak not according to this word. Now, according to, you know, before I came up in here, you know, just like in the church, I came up in the Baptist church. So they called the Bible the word of God. So that's what I thought the word was. And many people, when they talk about you know, God, they say, well, you know, I read the word today, you know, but there's definitions in the Bible, all kind of definitions. And there's a definition of what the word is. Get John 1 and 1. I know we still heard holding um, John 5, 39, but get John 1 and 1 and let's read what the word is. And then we're going to go back to Isaiah 8 and 20. Go ahead. John 1, 1. Mm -hmm. In the beginning was the word. Mm -hmm. And the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. Okay. Now it says in the beginning was the word. Does it say, did does it say these words? Now I want to make sure you, are you reading that correctly? Does it say these words or does it say the word? The word. Okay. So it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. You know, so then when we read in Isaiah in 20, it says uh, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word singular, and then we're reading in John 1 and 1, what the word is, it says the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. Continue to read in John. One, the same mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. in the beginning with Yahweh. Mm -hmm. All things were made by him. Mm -hmm. And without him was not anything made that was made. Mm -hmm. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So see, now we're reading there the definition of what the word is. Now, according to the uh, vision and revelation uh, that Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley had, you know, we, look, we can look at the Moses chart, and it says Elohim, the archetype or the original pattern of the universe, or the word of Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, the word of Yahweh. You see what I'm saying? Now, Elohim, the archetype, original pattern of the universe, he's the blueprint from which everything was created, both invisible and visible, both known and unknown. We can go back and we can read like, and it says in Isaiah 8 and 20 to the law and the prophecy, now we can go back and read all through the prophets and they'll say, the word of Yahweh came unto me saying, and your, you know, King James or the word of God or the word of the Lord, you know, the word said, you know, they're talking about Yahweh Elohim. And we're reading like in John 1 and 1, what that definition of the word is. It said the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh and continue to read there. Cause I want you to um, continue to read there all the way to the part where it says, and the light shineth in darkness. And then when you get to there, drop down to uh, 14. 
So continue. Um, John 1 and 5. And the mm -hmm. light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. See, so it says that light shineth in darkness, and the darkness don't comprehend it. It's impossible for darkness to comprehend light. You know, I was talking to a brethren a little before I tuned into the class, and we were talking about how when Yahshua the Messiah was on the earth plane, and he said that he was the light of the world, you know, because we were talking about just, you know, because I was telling about a friend of mine that was telling me, and I'm just digressing a little bit, guys, a friend of mine, you know, that, that uh, you know, is a self-proclaimed evangelist. And she was telling me, you know, because I told her I recently moved, stuff like that. And she was telling me I should, uh, you know, uh, fill up a gallon of water and pray, you know, bless the water and go out and, and bless the street and stuff like that. And so I was telling her, I said, well, I really don't have to do that. <laughs> Because <laughs> Yahweh is spirit. And I, I say Yahweh is spirit. And they that worship him must, that's an absolute, must worship him in spirit and in truth. I says, I, I really don't have to do all those physical things. You don't either, you know, but you know, she's been to class before. That's a whole, a whole nother story. But you know, I just say that I'm just thankful that, you know, that he brought me out of darkness. And I'm sure you guys had that same testimony. But it says the light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness don't comprehend it. So when Yahshua Messiah was walking on the earth plane, he was the only one that was in the light. So, you know, it's like really kind of suffering people's ignorance. You see what I'm saying? So can you imagine he was the light of the world and he was the only person on the face of the earth that had light dwelling in him prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when he gave his spirit unto all flesh? You know, we, and, you know, we're dealing with rightly dividing the word of truth, you know, uh, the ages and dispensation. Y'all can put that up. The ages and according to the age and dispensation chart, when Yahshua Messiah was walking on the earth plane, that was the second age in the realm of time or the third age in the series of seven. You see what I'm saying? So when Yahshua Messiah was walking on the earth plane, the whole world was in darkness. So I said that light, it shineth in the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. See, because it's, it's another scripture that says, well, if they knew who he was, you know, they wouldn't have crucified him. But see, there was no light dwelling in them. You see what I'm saying? So, okay, go ahead and continue to read there in John. You want to drop down to 14 now? Yeah, yeah, you can drop down to 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt mm -hmm. Okay, so now it says that uh, in the beginning was the word, and we know that was a vision, you know, but this is a school, and we can't get everything out in two hours, so I would just, I would uh, highly suggest anyone that's listening, you know, please continue to come and study with us, because you can learn so much, it's just, it can't be exhausted, it's not like, well, you know, we got two hours, we gonna, you know, uh, lay it down in two hours and tell you the real deal about your creator, man, I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna be learning ages to come. You see what I'm saying? There's so much to learn and we can't get it all out in two hours. But it says that word that was with Yahweh and that word was Yahweh. See that word, that same word was made flesh. Okay, go ahead and continue to read. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. And we beheld his glory, mm -hmm. the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of yeah. grace and truth. 
Right. Because it said that Yahweh so loved his world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. See, that word that was with Yahweh and that word that was Yahweh, that same word, see, it's one operation, just like in our tabernacle. We have three compartments in that tabernacle, but it's one operation. Okay, and just like you have what's going on in the court roundabout, there's not going on in, in the most holy place, you know, and what's going on in the uh holy place ain't going on in the in the uh uh court roundabout. You see what I'm saying? It's three compartments, but it's one operation, and we know that that tabernacle pattern is reflecting the true pattern, which is Yahweh Elohim himself, the archetype or the original pattern of the universe or the blueprint. You see, so that word that was with Yahweh, that word that was Yahweh, that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the only begotten of the father. See, that's Yahshua Messiah, whom the world commonly called Jesus Christ. You see, that's Yahshua Messiah. See, we, we, we wouldn't know any of this. We, we wouldn't, guys. We wouldn't know any of this is if Yahweh did not at the appointed time, at the last critical seconds of time in this last age in the realm of time, give a man, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, a divine vision and revelation, you know, and Dr. Kinley never, ever, ever, ever took credit for it. Not ever. He gave all the honor and glory unto the son, which is Yahshua Messiah. And we know that it says that no man coming to the son, but by me. You can't bypass the son to get to the father. You see what I'm saying? So we're doing the same thing. You know, if so be that the spirit of the living Elohim is dwelling in our heart and mind, we have that same testimony. We're giving all our honor, all our praise, and all our glory to our Savior, Yahshua Messiah. So go ahead and uh, finish. Did we finish Isaiah 8 and 20? Yes, we did. Okay, so let's go back to uh, John 5.39. Did we read that? No. Not okay, yet. well, let's read that. Let's read that. John 5, 39. Mm-hmm. Search the scriptures. Okay, now we just talked about what the scriptures are, Isaiah 8 and 20, the law and the prophets, or the first 39 books of the Bible. He said, now you search them scriptures. Go on, search them. Mm-hmm. Go search ahead and read. the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And they are well, they who testify of me. Now he said, now you search them scriptures. You, you search them, and then you think you have eternal life. See, but they are they which testified me. See, we didn't know that. When we came up in this school, you know, we thought the scriptures was, well, I'll just talk for myself. Okay, I'll just speak for myself. You know, I thought the scriptures was talking about, okay, it's something that we have to do, you know, it's some kind of way that we have to work up on our salvation, you know, as something that we have to follow, you know, you know, just groping in darkness just groping in darkness, you know, not knowing, not knowing that, not knowing that we don't have to do any of the work. Yahshua Messiah did all the work. He died that death of an outcast dog because mankind, it was impossible for mankind. There was 613 some odd laws and ordinances. We commonly know about the big 10, you know, we commonly know about the big 10, but you go in that Bible, you find out it wasn't just the big 10 and see in the church, they don't tell you nothing but about the big 10. You know, but then you go in that Bible, you find us over 613 some odd laws and ordinances and mankind wasn't able to keep it. 
you know, when they when they finally got delivered, you know, they cried, oh, we're down here, you know, oh, crying out. They cried out, they got delivered. Then they got over in the, uh, in the wilderness and they built a golden calf. And they say, let us say that this is what brought us out. Now, they know darn well that a golden calf didn't bring them out. You see what I'm saying? But they taking on the the uh, they taking on the ways of their captors when they were down in Egypt because the Egyptian the Egyptians was a polytheistic society. They worshipped all kind of gods. They had a god for everything. They had a god for the Nile. They had a god for everything, you know. And each one of them gods had a name. So when they got out there in in in, uh, in uh, the wilderness. They build a golden calf and say, let us say that this is what brought us out, knowing that that didn't bring them out. But, you know, they didn't have nothing in them to make them act right or make them to behave. Then when they got over there in Canaan's land, they built two golden calves. You see what I'm saying? So it was they it was impossible. It was impossible for them to keep the law. Those six hundred and thirteen some odd laws and ordinances. It was impossible. See, so Yahshua, you know, he's telling them. He's in the likeness of sinful flesh in the second age of, of time or the third age in a series of seven. And he's telling them, you search those scriptures because in them you think you think you have eternal life in them scriptures. He said, but they are they that testify of me. Now go on and continue to read there. Hello. Yep. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And they are they which testify of me. Mm-hmm. And, you will, and you will not come to me that you might have life. Mm-hmm. I receive Wait. not honor from men. Now see, he said, now you 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 think you have eternal life reading them scriptures, but they testify of me. But he said, But you're not gonna come to me. You're not gonna come to me that you can have life. He said he don't receive honor from men. And we know that's reflected. You know, when when uh, in the uh, same age that we in now in the beginning of that age, you know, when uh, when they were having controversies, you know, because uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out to the Jews first and then seven years later, the Gentiles. But we know in the beginning of this uh, third or last age in the realm of time. You know, they were having all kind of controversies about, you know, you taking away our law, you taking away the law of Moses. You know, they were saying, you know, when when uh, the uh, gospel was preached to the Gentiles and they received it, they were going saying, well, yeah, you know, y'all need y'all still got to be circumcised, you know, still trying to put them under the yoke of the law. You see what I'm saying? Still trying to put them under the yoke of the law. That's why when Paul would address the assembly, he would say he would always say. Men and brethren. See, because everybody wasn't brethren. Now, we just read that Yahshua said, well, you won't come to me that you might receive life. I don't receive honor from men. But guess what? Brethren? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He received honor from the brethren. But see, he don't receive honor from men because they don't know him. See, that's why Paul had to address the assembly. Men and brethren, you know, just like when we read over there uh, in First Corinthians six nineteen, when he says, "What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit?" He's speaking to brethren, you know, because remember Yahshua and the Messiah when the uh, Sanhedrin council they would be asking the different things, 
and uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they would be asking Yahshua different things to try to trip him up. They weren't trying to ask him anything to try to get an understanding, try to find out where he was coming from. They was trying to trip him up. You know, their intent wasn't right. That's why Yahshua say you white wall sepulchers. He called them white wall sepulchers or graves. You know, so when you walking around, you know, and you are a man or you dead, devout of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, your body's a grave. But then when the Holy Spirit is taking residence, your heart and mind, then your body's a temple. That's why when Paul addressed the assembly, you know, he said, what? Don't you know? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of Yahweh, you are not your own. See, your body is a temple. When he dwells in you, your body is a temple. See, but go ahead, go ahead and continue to read there in John. 42, but I know you that you have not the love of Yahweh in you. See, he said that he know them. They don't have the love of Yahweh in them. Now, if you, if you, if you praise in any other deity, including a physical deity, you know, because there's many in this organization that is worshiping a creature now. We respect Dr. Hendrick Clifford Kinley because he was the founder of this school and he was given a divine vision and revelation from Yahweh himself. But we're not worshiping that man. We're not worshiping the man, Dr. Hendrick Clifford Kinley. What we're worshiping is what he was given. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, there's people going around here and they worship, you worship any other deity, you know, besides the true one, the only one, Yashem Sai. Read that last part again for me. I know you that you have not the love of Yahweh in you. So see, now you going around, you worshiping any other deity besides the only true one, which is Yahshua the Messiah. See, you don't have the love of the truth. There's a scripture that says you didn't receive the love of the truth. You don't have the love of Yahweh Elohim in you. Go ahead and continue to read. 43. Mm -hmm. I am called my father's name and you receive me not. See, he said, I'm coming my father's name and you don't receive me. We know according to what's, what's been given, Yah is a masculine portion of the father's name. Way is the feminine portion of the father's name. So he said he coming in his father's name. Yah, Shua, which means Yahweh is salvation. So go ahead and continue to read. If another shall come in his own name, him mm -hmm. you will receive. So he's telling you down the line, he's telling you all the way back then what the deal going to be. He's telling you all the way back then what the deal going to be. He said, now, if another going to come in his own name, and we know that Jesus Christ, that's his own, that's, that's coming in his own name. We, that's a trinity. You know how, you know, they say, well, you know, God is a trinity. Yeah, that's a trinity. You got three different uh, trinity. You got three different gods up in there. You got late Babylonian L.E. Now you, I'm going to tell you something. You got to really, you got to go to a good dictionary. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been able to find uh, the Babylonian deity uh, online. Maybe it is out there, but I know uh, if you're looking in a dictionary, you got to go to a dictionary before 1980 or earlier because the later dictionaries, they're full of bunk. They don't really uh, give you the real deal about stuff, you know, but you got, uh, you got a Trinity there in the name of Jesus Christ. You got Lay, which is Babylonian, Babylonian sky God. Then you got S-U-S, Zeus, which is a Greek sky God. You know, then you got Krishna, 
you know, which is Hindu. And then from the word Christos, which means the anointed one, no wonder they, they, they looking up to heaven or looking what they call up in heaven. But they talking about when they say looking up in the heaven, they talking about the stratosphere, the atmosphere, the ionosphere. You see what I'm saying? Trying to find God. You see what I'm saying? A physical heaven, you know, saying, oh, yeah, well, he's up there somewhere so I can do whatever I need to do down there. God, I can have from God. He ain't going to really see what I'm doing. You see what I'm saying? Not realizing that he's everywhere. You know, uh, Paul said it when he was on Mars Hills. He said, in him, we live and move and have our being. There's no place that he is not. There's no place that he is not. You know, but you, you, you looking all up there in the ionosphere, the atmosphere, and stratosphere, but you down here on planet Earth, third rock from the sun. You see what I'm saying? So how how you gonna find him? You know, how you gonna how you gonna find spirit and you got five senses and they relocated to physical things. When you look at your commercials, they show stuff about food. Mm. Ooh, yes. Okay, taste. Okay, or they they be uh you know advertising about some perfume or cologne. Mm-hmm. Smell. You see what I'm saying? You know, but ain't nothing. We don't have nothing to dictate spirit to uh be able to uh 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Not dictate. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, guys, I just had a funny moment. There you go. There you go. Detect, discern. We have nothing that we can detect a discerned spirit. And it says that Yahweh is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. How are we going to do that? And we can't even detect it with our, with our five physical senses that's relegated to physical things to uh, be a complementary to navigate on this earth plane. How are we, how are we going to be able to find it? You see what I'm saying? I, I'm sure a lot of you guys had the same uh, testimony. When I came up in this class, I wasn't looking for what I found. I wasn't. You know, I was, you know, we was getting ready to go to a party. And uh, and, and my friend said, well, he had been telling me about class. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Yeah, OK, I'm going to go, you know. And I just say, I'm going to go just so, so you shut up. And so this one particular Friday, he said, yeah, we're going to we're going to go to this party, but we're going to go to class first. And I was riding with them. So I had to go where they was going. So I said, oh, all right, cool, whatever. Honey, I walked in that class and I saw them charts, you know, and I had went from church to church. because I got up to a point where I basically went to church for the music because y'all know how I am with the music. I was basically going for the music, but I wasn't satisfied. But when I came in here. The first time, 8619 South Ashland, the Chicago Southside class, and I saw them charts, and they, uh, the speaker that got, I think it might have been Millard Highshaw, and he went through how man is made in the likeness and image according to the tabernacle pattern, and I'm like, I, that was a burning, uh, I had a burning desire in me all my days you know, trying to figure out, well, how is man made in the likes of the image of, of his creator? Even when I was a little kid in Sunday school, I would ask questions and say, well, little girl, you know, God is past finding out or you don't, you know, question God, but the Bible don't even uh, support that. We, we can read Romans 119 and 20 and that debunks that. 
You see what I'm saying? You know, and then they say, well, you ask too many questions. You talk too much. And, and you know, so I shut up. I just shut up, you know, because I said, OK, the minister, you know, he got to hook up with God. So, OK, I'll be quiet then and just enjoy the music. But then when I came to that class and I had never, ever said anything other than asking the minister of my church, how's man made in the likeness image of God? And they answered that question. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's something to this. And I said, I'm going to go back one more time. And I've been going back one more time for a long, <laughs> over 30 years. But anyway, uh, did, did we finish that scripture? Yes. Okay. What, where were we? Uh, John 543, right? Um, yes. Do you want to read the end? Yeah, of just it? read a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Okay. John 544. How mm -hmm. can you which receive honor of one another and seek not the honor that cometh from Yahweh only. See, we receive honor one from another. You know, they give all kind of, uh, you know, they have American Idol. You know, they have all of these, the Kennedy honors. You know, we honor, you know, uh, people, you know, in their different skills, life skills and stuff like that. We honor one another all the time. But what about the honor that come from Yahweh only? But here's the thing about I missed it. it. I what? It. Wow. Okay. Okay. But here's the thing about it. If he doesn't put his spirit in you, you're not going to seek him out. You're not. You know, and if you do, it's only in regards to what he can do for you. You know, like giving you that nice house or giving you a good job or, you know, giving you that good husband or whatever, you know, it's only in regards for what he can do for you and in regards to physical, natural things. But if he doesn't put his spirit in you and give you an understanding, reveal himself to you, you'll never know him. You'll never know him. And let's read uh, John 17, started one. Here's another definition. Here's a definition of eternal life. Go ahead and read. John 17, 1. These words mm -hmm. spoke Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, mm -hmm. Father, the hour is come. Glorify mm -hmm. thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Mm -hmm. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. The, 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 he's the one that's given the eternal life. You know, but see, eternal life, it, it, it don't have nothing to do with how long you wear your dress or not wear no makeup or not wear no earrings, sanctifying your flesh for God. That's not what eternal life is. We're getting ready to read the definition of what eternal life is. Go on and read. And while she's reading that, a uh, gift for me in uh, Thessalonians uh, where it says well, he's taking flame and vengeance on him that know not. Oh, man, I'm terrible with scriptures. But if you know where it is, grab that and hold it and continue to read there. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the See? only true El. Yes. Go ahead. And Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Now, we just read the definition, and this is a rare edition. edition. This is Yahshua the Messiah, the one you call Jesus Christ talking. He said, now, here's what your eternal life is. 
to know thee, Yahweh, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua Messiah, whom thou hast sent, to know, to have an intimate relationship with. Now, let's get over there in Thessalonians. Um, Second Thessalonians 1 and 8. Yes. Mm-hmm. Second Thessalonians 1 and 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on Give me, uh, go, go, maybe, go maybe one verse above that. Verse 7, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. That's what we're, that's our, that's our, that is our claim. To you who are troubled out there, rest with us. Go ahead and read. When our Savior, Yahshua, shall be revealed from heaven. Mm-hmm. angels. In flaming yes. fire taking vengeance on them that know not Yahweh Elohim. And, and we just read what eternal life was to know. And he's taking flaming vengeance on them that don't know. You see what I'm saying? You know, and, and, and you know, with him and his mighty angels, that's the universal revelation, Yahshua Messiah, not Jesus coming back. That already occurred at Pentecost. Go ahead and finish that. And that obey not the gospel of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. The death Burial and resurrection of Yahshua Messiah, according to the scriptures. That definition is in the Bible, too. And John, I think it's the 15th chapter. But, you know, like I said, we can't get it all out in two hours. And I just want to say that I'm so thankful and glad that I was able to visit with you guys today. I miss you guys, and I love you madly. All honor and praise and glory go to our Savior, Yahshua Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Cohen. And our next speaker this evening will be Dr. Shannon Brewster from our Oceanside class. Sorry about that. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Am I coming through okay? Yes. Sorry about that. I couldn't find the unmute button. So uh, I really appreciated the testimony of the previous speaker and a little surprised to be called upon again uh, this week with all of the folks in the room tonight. So let me kind of get my bearings together. And um I want to just say that, you know, anytime we have an opportunity to come together, it's uh, something we shouldn't be taking lightly. And I'm going to do the best I can to kind of pick up where the previous speaker left off and, and really kind of getting us started this evening. <clears throat> and as the previous speaker said, and as the moderator said, the things that we are discussing down here are the result of a divine vision and revelation that was given to our founder a man by the name of Henry Clifford Kinley, who came to us in the year 1931, claiming that he had a divine vision and a revelation from the creator himself. And he set about to get across to the world the things that he had seen in that vision and, were made to and was made to understand through revelation for the subsequent 45 years of his life from 1931 down to February the 9th, 1976. And we are rapidly approaching the anniversary of his death, which was what, uh, 40, 
45 years ago, uh, three days uh, coming up this week. And the folks that are here on this call are doing the best that they can to endeavor to continue on giving witness and testimony to the things that they learned at the feet of that man. Uh, and not because of that man, if I can just qualify that statement. Um, at the, the reality of it is, is that it is the Holy Spirit that is the teacher down here in this class. And as uh, the prior speaker said, Dr. Kinley never tried to make himself to be anything. He never wanted to establish himself as a man to be a standard that people would live up to. And he never at any time made us to think that the things that we were understanding or being made to see from coming down to these classes was coming com from coming down to these classes was because of him. Uh, in fact, at any opportunity that he had, he would endeavor to get us to appreciate that it was really about none other than Yahshua the Messiah and not about him. <clears throat> and, you know, many have made a mistake with that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm thinking about um, some of the things that he caused us to appreciate, you know, in, in the previous speaker, she had uh, referenced the ages and dispensations chart. If you could um, bring that up for me. And I'm having glitches with um, Zoom tonight and it's kind of throwing me off. I apologize. My view is, is completely messed up and I'm not seeing the charts. And so it's kind of throwing me off a little bit. So that's a little bit of my distraction and I apologize. Um, but um, one of the things that Dr. Kinley caught, made us to understand was how um, there was ages and dispensations. And it was in crucial for your and my understanding to appreciate that according to Yahweh's purpose, um, you had to know and be uh, acquainted with these ages and dispensations because in part, um, what's valid in one age is not necessarily valid in another age. So, um, hold on, I'm still having trouble here and it's really driving me nuts that I can't see the charts, guys, I apologize. Um, nope. All right. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to operate in the blind. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so what, as it relates to these ages and dispensations, you absolutely must appreciate <clears throat> what age it is that you're in because that dictates what's valid in one age and what's valid in another. And if you look at what's done across the world over, you see folks trying to worship their creator. And I want to get this over there in John 4 and 24, where May left off, uh, or she at least had called that, that scripture. Uh, because by and large, what you see in the world today is an attempt to worship a, a creator who is spirit uh, with physical, natural earthly things, what we would call um, carnal ordinances. And that would, you know, manifest as, you know, trying to get baptized in physical water or offering up tithing with your physical money, um, you know, sacrifices, um, you know, those types of things from a natural standpoint. And what we don't even begin to understand <clears throat> is that those things were moved out of the way. 
And the Messiah through his death and his burial and his resurrection ushered in a spiritual age. And therefore it is not possible for you in this present kingdom age that you and I are in now to please a creator, your creator, um, through doing physical things of any kind. In fact, Dr. Kinley made this statement at one point to us, said, where is the physical man for you to baptize in this age? Because the flesh was nailed to the cross and it did not come on over into this present kingdom age. And yet the world over has continued to try to drag those things that were given in that old um, um, covenant to the, to the children of Israel. And by the way, not a sing, never given to a Gentile, by the way, only given to Jews uh, and Jews only. And then the Messiah comes in and he, his purpose was to move that out of the way, nail all those physical things to his cross and usher in a spiritual age. And that's what, is referenced over there in John 4 24 if you could just read that for me John 4 and 23 there you go but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him there you go now um if you're i finally got the chart <laughs> i don't know where it was minimized on my screen i i recently upgraded to having two monitors at my desk and so i'm kind of having difficulty sometimes finding stuff um so just to kind of place where we're, what we're reading there you're right hard up on the line right to the left of that cross uh on that third in that third age that's where what we're reading uh, is that's where that statement was made to the left side of that cross but like literally like you know i could say days or weeks you know before that event um his ministry was only three and a half years right so here's yashua the messiah he comes in and he says the hour cometh and now is. Read that again for me, Andrea. The hour cometh and now is when mm -hmm. the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, right there, there's so much to unpack there. He says that the true worshipers. So that lets you know that it is it is that there must be some false worshipers out there. Okay, because he's saying that there's true. So it's just not it's not good enough, at least as far as the way he's laying this down right here for you to just with the, you know, you know, the good intent of your heart to, you know, um, try to uh, worship this creator. He's saying that it the hour cometh that now is that the true worshipers are going to worship the creator in spirit and in truth. So that is why it is just an absolute necessity for you to understand something for an assurity, something definite, something true. And that um, is, you know, simple things that you hear when you come down to this class for the first time. You say, well, what difference, what difference does a name make? Right. May was into the into the name and showing how, look, there is just absolutely no way that the Savior's name, there never was a man who walked the Palestinian and Judean hills whose name was Jesus. And he was not called Jesus Christ. And that is a hard pill to swallow for some folks, but that is a historical fact. It's proved simply with the fact that there's no letter J in the Hebrew language to this day. It wasn't even a letter J in the English language that most of us, you know, here are speaking. Um, no letter J. 
So, and, and it wasn't just that, you know, you, you swap out the J and they were calling them something like Jesus or something like that. May already laid that down for you, the origin of that name. And there is just absolutely no way that um, a Hebrew child would have been named after the Greek god Zeus. And in fact, if you go over and get, can you get Matt, get over there in Matthew for me? Um, and I did not. I'm surprised I'm kind of being drawn this way, but um, Matthew, I think one in 21. Matthew one twenty one. Shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Yahshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, when you read that, Deb, um, you know it says there, you shall call his name Yahshua, and then there's a colon there, right? Yes. Mine's semicolon. Now, okay, yeah. so what's that mean? That means that you're getting an explanation of that name yep. in what follows, right? So, yes. and that, and guess what? That's just what that name means. That name means Yahweh is salvation. And so it just would follow, an ex the, the explanation was, you're going to call his name Yahshua because He's going to save his people from their sins. He put the purpose, his purpose was put right in his name. And if you, if you know anything about, um, and many, it's not just um, necessarily um, a, a Hebrew thing, uh, but in the Hebrew culture, the name has great significance. It is a very, the meaning of a name has great significance. Right. And that's 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 that way in other cultures as well. But the name is very, very, very important. Uh, and the name that you, you're given actually means something. And um, um, and here it is with the Messiah, you know, he, his name being Yahshua. And he says, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's that that was the purpose that he came into the world. And the, the, his people were just laden with sin because you know they had been trying to keep that law that had been given from to Moses um, back there at Mount Sinai and they had fallen short and honestly you, you really have to go all the way back to the garden to really trace the origin of that thing um, because that's exactly where sin passed upon all mankind um, with the transgression in the garden and then that followed all the way down through those ages and dispensations. But Yahshua the Messiah came in to make an end of sin. That's over in Daniel, um, the ninth chapter. And actually, could you get that for me? Because it's kind of fresh on my mind with this transcript that we just sent out tonight before class. I think it's around the 24th verse. Daniel 9, 24, 70 mm -hmm. weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. And oh, it's right there in, oh, I apologize if you get some background noise there, but I hear some kids playing and I have to close the door. Sorry about that. Um, so it's right there in the, in the vision that was given to Daniel <clears throat> that he was going to make an end of sin or end of transgression. Keep going. To make a reconciliation for iniquity, to bring mm -hmm. an everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, 
to anoint mm -hmm. the most holy. Mm -hmm. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end of it shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Now, um, so what you're reading there is a prophecy um, and he actually is prophesying about the ransacking of Jerusalem. Um, and there's a way to run this down, uh, but this is, he's talking about the, um, you know, the commandment of Artaxerxes, and which was made in, I believe, about 457 years uh, before the birth of the Messiah. And really what you're going to pull out of there is this um, 490 um, years um, that would be from the going forth of the commandment to uh, Yash the Messiah being offered up um, and making an end of sin. And, and Daniel is really prophesying that that was going to happen. And it might even be you can see some of that actually right there on the chart. You see Artaxerxes there, and then uh, you see Solomon's temple, then Artaxerxes, and then uh, Zerubbabel down there at the left. Um, and that from that commandment all the way down to Yahshua, the Messiah being offered up, was, a, was 490 years. And there's 490-year cycles that run all the way through your Bible. And you can see, I'm not going to go into them um, here, but... They're, they're laid out at the bottom of the ages and dispensations chart. But the point that I'm making is that right there in, in Daniel, he's saying that there would come a point where he was going to make an end of sin or an end of the transgression. And can you pick that up where, um, I don't, cause I don't, I think you probably already read it. Um, where he says that the Messiah would be cut off. Verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, Deborah, what, what are you? You're in a King James version. Yeah. Well, I'm in. Oh. I'm in the twenty-sixth verse of. Is it different? Now you're making me think it is because um, somebody helped me out here. I thought um, one of the versions, if I'm not mistaken, says that he would be cut off without a successor. It's a uh, holy name Bible. Holy name. Um, if anybody's got it in the holy name, could you read that for me? And if not, I am uh, looking it up right now in mine. Does anybody have a holy name? I don't, Shannon. I don't either. This is Gail. I have a holy name, um, but I don't know what verse you're in. I have Daniel. 26, 926. 9 and 26 out of the holy name version. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off without a successor to follow him. 
now that thank you so much and i wanted to take the time to grab that because you get a little bit more understanding out of the holy name version here uh but he said it said so it says that the messiah was going to be cut off without a successor to follow him and the question is why isn't why didn't the messiah need a successor after he was offered up and the reason for that is because he was going to resurrect and he didn't need a successor because he was going to succeed himself. Now, this is a, um, you know, it, 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 I'm trying to thread this right because May had, my, had me thinking about just the tendency of mankind. And I'd like to also, if you could get over, um, I think it's in uh, 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, where it talks about um, the mediator and the intercessor. First Timothy 25. Yes. Almost there. First Timothy 2 and 5. First Timothy 2 and 5. Mm -hmm. Hold on one second. I was on the wrong page. All right. For there is one Elohim... And one mediator between Elohim and man, the man, Yahshua, the Messiah. There is one Elohim and one mediator. One mediator. Just consider how the world has, the world over, you, know, you just have um, men trying to set themselves up to be the, your mediator and make you think that you need to go to them for some understanding of your creator. And that is also one of these things that, you know, have been dragged over from what we see on this chart here from this, this, the, the, that post-Diluvian age, those that where the things were physical and natural, that concept of having a man to run to for a mediator between you and God, that was laid down in the, in the law. And if you go over to, I mean, just we could pull this out with um, maybe go to the Moses chart, um, Greg. <clears throat> um, you could see on the Moses chart here a couple things. So just to call your attention to <clears throat> when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, they were following that cloud and that cloud brought them through the Red Sea and led them to Mount Sinai. And when they got up there, I think this is, uh, I think it's, this is Exodus, the 19th chapter, Yahweh thundered down the law from the Mount. And when he spoke to them, there was lightnings and there was earthquakes and there was thunderings and they were scared to death. And so they said, Moses, you go up and you talk to Yahweh. And they, so essentially what they wanted was they wanted Moses to be a mediator between them and Yahweh because they couldn't stand to hear Yahweh directly. They didn't want Yahweh speaking to them directly. So Moses was playing the part of a mediator. And then if you zoom in on this tabernacle, you could see that there was a priesthood that was operating in this tabernacle. And that priesthood, the children of Israel, they, they didn't make it any further than this court roundabout as it related to this, 
the structure, the, the functioning of this tabernacle. They would drag a sacrifice there to be offered up, uh, and they'd bring that to the gate, and the priest would offer up that sacrifice on that altar, but they were not welcome in the holy place, and they certainly didn't make it into the most holy place. The only one that made it into the most holy place was the high priest, and he went in there once a year on the Day of Atonement, and the that high priest is a type and a shadow of Yahshua the Messiah, who's our true high priest. That's over in Hebrews. But that priest, um, that priesthood that operated in there, they would function as mediators to the uh, a mediator to the people. They offered intercession. They offered prayers on behalf of the people there at that um, altar of um, incense. You know, and so you had that that going on under the law. But guess what? That changed when he moved that coming out of the way. And this is, this was prophesied over in Job. Um, no, we were reading this last week too. Uh, I think, is that in Jeremiah 31, 31, where he says, I'll cause your young men to dream, dream dreams. Oh, that's Joel. That is Joel. Mm-hmm. If you could grab that for me. Actually, this is 2 and 28. Thanks. Yep. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Mm -hmm. Sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the uh, the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. That's right. It, it, so, and I also want to get uh, Jeremiah 31, 34, because we were into that last Saturday, last Saturday too. But um, so he's saying he's going to pour out his spirit onto the, into the young men and, and they're, and they're going to dream dreams. And, but that spirit was going to be poured out. And when you read about it in Jeremiah 31, 34, he's going into this whole thing about the, the new, he's going to bring in, bring in, bring a new covenant in, not like the old. Right. Um, and when you get down to 34, if you could read that for me. Do you want to start at 34 or do you want to um, pick it up a little? Go ahead and pick it up. I'm just right. trying to be conscious of the time. Go ahead. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the day is come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their Elohim and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, no Yahweh. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith Yahweh. For I will forgive their iniquity, I will remember their sin no more. He says, you're not going to say it to every man his brother, saying, know ye Yahweh. Because all are going to know me, from the least to the greatest. And he's going to forgive your iniquity, and he said, remember your sin no more. 
So this, this concept of uh, having to go to a man to mediate for you, and there is just no shortage of men that will be glad to have you sit at their feet and hang on their every word. And the sad part of it is, and I was just kind of reflecting on this when May was on the floor, is just, it just seems to be a natural inclination of a man's heart to want to worship other men. And that is not pleasing to your creator. And it's, it's really, really a sad thing. And it's pervasive. It's pervasive through, um, you know, you look at the religious world and you've got pastors and reverends and all, and people just, you know, feeling that they, they have to, that they have to run to this physical person, you know, to uh, have a connection to, to their creator. And you're even seeing it, um, and I never thought you'd see anything like this, and not to be political, but you even see it in, pol in politics now, where you have cults of personalities where people are just worshiping a man, you know, where you, where you would put a man's name on a flag and parade it around town, you know, this is um, worship of men, and men love to worship other men, and the sad part of it about it is that he said, you know, we talk about the, you know, the previous speaker talked about the, you know, the, those 10 commandments. Yahweh does not like idols. And he never intended for men to set up uh, other men to be worshiped, adored, and, 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 and just, you know, um, raised up to be um, something in place of him. And really what you're showing is just a complete misunderstanding of Yahweh's purpose for that kind of behavior to go on in this present kingdom age. And, you know, the sad part of it is, I mean, we even see that kind of thing going on even right within this school where folks have, you know, raised up their deans and deans were all too happy to have, you know, their students just sitting there just hanging on their every word and people believing that, you know, revelation uh, of Yahweh only could come through one particular individual. Um, that kind of nonsense uh, is the, has no place in this present kingdom age. And we read that over in First Timothy um, 2 and 5, right? One Elohim, one mediator, one intercessor, the man, Yahshua, the Messiah. And I said all of that to say around the fact that, you know, may put that out there at the table tonight. Dr. Kinley never set himself up to be your intercessor, your mediator. He said that you could know this thing for yourself. And that is what this school gives you and I the opportunity to have to come into a, the reality or the, uh, uh, a profound understanding of Yahweh's purpose, to know I him for an assurity, thank you, uh, to know the, your creator for an assurity, be convinced of the reality of Yahweh and of the Bible, so much so that you're more convinced of the reality of him than you are of yourself, you know, and it, you, and there's a lot that are, is coming on my mind that I was kind of mulling over while the previous speaker was on the floor. Um, but to understand who you really are, 
where you came from. You know, from a natural standpoint, you understand that Adam was made from the dust of the earth. That was his source. And the man comes from the ground, naturally speaking, and he goes back to the ground. And you know what? It's to your benefit to be cognizant of your source. Now, there's a spiritual reality to that because your source from a spiritual standpoint is spirit. And you really have never gotten too far away from that. Even in your ignorance, you are that. And I just think about something simple that we just do every day. We, we have to eat. And you re- do you know that what you're doing when you consume nutrients, you are bringing into your body the raw material that sustains your life. And do you know that those things that you're bringing into your body are really those things that you came off that they are the, that it is the substance of the earth. We are trying, you are, when you eat, you are trying to gather minerals, zinc and um, uh, phosphorus and um, all kinds of trace materials that are essential sodium, all these things that are essential for your existence. Well, that was your, that was your source. You came from that in order, and in order for you to be healthy, you have to stay close to that from a natural standpoint and eating high quality food that, it, that um, sustains you is really the thing that gives you access to those types of nutrients and of certain potency. But the reality of what you're doing out of even ignorance is, you know, staying close to your source by constantly ingesting the things that are where you came from. And that's where you, and that's ultimately where you're going back to. It's probably really kind of profound when, when you think about it, because um, everything that you're looking at naturally so is a type and a shadow of the reality. And so just like your physical body came forth from the ground and you're going back from the ground, well, in reality, that ground is likened unto Yahweh, pure spirit. The earth is likened unto spirit in that sense. And you came from that and you're going back to that. And I'll say one other thing, and then my time is done. You know, uh, when it talks about that we shall all know him, you have to really kind of understand that what you and I are allowed to know is just, we're just scratching the surface. Dr. Kinley told us that if you could just be ever conscious of the ever presence of Yahweh, you will be all right. It is not necessary for you to think that you need to understand, you know, um, the just the nuances to the depths of the thing in such a way that, you know, it just, just consider this and I'm done from a natural standpoint, what it takes for your physical body to sustain itself. You and I are completely ignorant of, and I don't care if you're, you know, Sasha and Carl on the call, the more, you know, about how things work, the more you realize you don't know about things, how they really work. And if it required for you to understand how neural messages pass down from your brain and reach your cells, how the RNA is um, coding for um, the proteins to um, tell your cells what to do, if it required you to know how to digest your food and extract the zinc in order for you to have enough to sustain your immune system. If all of that was required for you to stay alive and be healthy, every last one of us would be dead. So all of those things are taken care of for you and I, from a natural standpoint, you are sustained. And so as it relates to trying to think that you need to know every little thing about everything, 
never going to happen. I mean, we're going to go on into ages yet to come, um, you know, and, and, and come into greater and greater and greater understanding. And there will never be a time where you're going to be able to put Yahweh on the shelf and say, I got him figured out. But yet and still, you know, he sustains us and provides for us, even with all that we don't know. And so um, with that, I know the time has expired and I appreciate, you know, having an opportunity to something to say and I'll yield it back to the moderator. Thank you, Dr. Brewster. And our third speaker this evening will be the Dean of our Syracuse class, Dr. Rick Trevison. Good evening, everybody. Can you hear me? Good evening. Yes, we hear you. Okay. Uh, my wife had to leave and uh, she's going to be back, but I was so hoping she'd be back by now because I, I have something in an article I wanted to share with you and I wanted to tie it in with what the speakers have uh, brought out thus far and I've enjoyed it very much. I've, I've tried to listen very intently. I've tried to focus my intention, not let my mind wander. And I thought they did a very nice job. I beg your pardon? I'll be, I'll be okay. So I'm gonna have to read parts of this article myself. And um, the reason is because um, I, wanna, I wanna be very simple. And I want to focus in on just uh, very specific parts of things they dealt with. Uh, I wanna focus in on something about this tabernacle, something that uh, May had mentioned and Shannon about the intercession. And uh, there's a purpose for it. Now, um, first, uh, can you bring up the Moses chart for me, Greg? Now, Israel was captive down in Egypt, which is the black part of this chart, the bottom part of the chart. And it's divided into three parts. And the bottom part is uh, Egypt. The middle part is the wilderness of Sinai. And the green part up top is Canaan land. So it's uh, the court roundabout, the holy place, and the most holy place. So the chart actually goes by the pattern that we're going to be talking about. Now Egypt is brought out of, or Israel is brought out of Egypt by a mighty hand or by a vision, or actually it's the power in the name of Yahweh that brings them out of captivity. Just as it's the power in that name that brought us out of spiritual captivity and spiritual bondage and darkness 
There's power in a name. And in particular, that name. Now, when Israel's up in the wilderness, Moses is brought up into the uh, Mount Sinai, and you see him up here uh, depicted on the plateau of the mountain with the tables of stone. And he's brought all the way up into the top of the mount. Uh, if you could just focus on the whole chart for a moment. And so, uh, I guess we'll go there. We'll go to Exodus 24, 9 and 10. Exodus 24 and 9, when you're ready. Yes, I'm ready. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. So now Moses and Aaron, and they're depicted here, and there's the 70, the, the, all the little colored guys, and they're, okay, go ahead and read. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. Now they're seeing a vision of Elohim. And Moses, but go ahead, continue. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. Now he's the body of heaven in his brightness. And the sapphire stone represents earth. Earth is his footstool. Go ahead and read. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. So they saw this vision of Elohim. Uh, is there more there? Um, we'll go to the 25th chapter. Okay. And 8 and 9 and uh, 40. Exodus 25 and 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So Moses is in the top of the mountain. You see him depicted here, and it says, panoramic vision of Elohim to Moses. So he's seeing a vision, but he's also receiving a revelation. Whereas these folks down in the plateau of the mountain only had the vision. You must also, it must also be accompanied by a revelation for you to understand that which you see. Now, go ahead and read. Hold on one second. Okay, and 25 and nine. According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So he's instructing, this is Yahweh Elohim, and he's instructing Moses to make a tabernacle. And, and, and to make it even as he saw it. And you see Elohim here, and he is changing into a tabernacle 
and then back into himself. And then you see the creation being drawing, drawn out of him. Now, what's going on here is that Yahweh, well, I'm going to have to go to John, the first chapter again. Because I don't want to take liberties with this. I, I want to get it out of the book and I want it. I want to explain it. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. Now, May was talking about this when she was uh, the first speaker, and she said she talked about the Word and how the Word was not the Bible, but the Word was the Son of Yahweh. And the Word is, is Yahweh Elohim, up there in that cloud, giving Moses the instructions on how to build this tabernacle. That's Yahweh Elohim. And it's saying, in the beginning was the Word. The Word is the Son of Yahweh. Yahweh Elohim. That's Yahweh in visionary shape and form. It's Yahweh. It's Yahweh giving Moses these instructions. Go ahead, Deb, start again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. And the Word is Yahweh. It's not your Bible. The Word is Yahweh. It's the Son of Yahweh. Go ahead and read. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things were made by him. All things were made by him. All things were made by Yahweh in visionary form. It's still Yahweh. It's not another guy. It's not another person. as the Trinity teaches. Same spirit, same thing going on, just a different manifestation now. Go ahead. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All right. Um, I'm going to have to expedite time. I'm going to have to skip down to the 14th verse. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the word was made flesh. Now that's Yahshua. The word was made flesh. So Yahshua and Yahweh Elohim are one and the same. They're the same thing. So the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Yahshua, or Yahweh, is salvation. It's Yahweh that's salvation. So now that explains the supernal nature of Yahweh. And I'm not doing it justice, but I have something to get to. So you have Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, and Yahshua, and these three are one. They're all the same spirit. 
and Moses is instructed to build this tabernacle down when he comes down the mount, and it's going to be a dwelling place for Yahweh. So we'll get Romans 1, 19 and 20. Romans 119, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest. Now something can be known of Yahweh. Something can be known of Yahweh. And I found it very touching today. I mean, it warmed my heart when Bob Talon told me that his father, who was close with my father, who was in World War II, the same as my father was. And Bob tried for years to tell him about this teaching. And his father would say, don't preach to me. Don't teach. Don't preach to me. And now that he's having heart trouble, this week, the other day, when Bob left his house, he said, pray to Yahweh for me. Pray to Yahshua for me. I mean, it almost brought me to tears. I'm telling you, it's just, Yahshua can open somebody's mind just at the snap of a finger. Now, something can be known. Something can be known of Yahweh. And the first thing, just like May said, you've got to know is that name. It's imperative. I'll go ahead and read. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the for the invisible things of him, his uh, he's he's Yahweh is spirit and spirit is attributes and these attributes of of love and beauty and justice and intelligence and wisdom and foundation and strength and power and that's what Yahweh is. Those things are invisible. Those invisible things of him, read. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now you can see something about those invisible things from the creation of the world. Read being understood by the things that are made. You must look at the things that are made because we're physical, sensory creatures. You can't go delving into pure spirit on your own. It's just not gonna work. Go ahead and read. Even his eternal power in Godhead so that they are without excuse. 
And so we can understand something about his supernal nature or Godhead or how he exists as pure spirit, as a visionary shape and form, and as Yahshua the Messiah or the Holy Spirit in or out of a body. Now that's important that Godhead, it's, 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 it's crucial to understand. And this tabernacle will tell us something about that as Shannon was touching on. Now, if we, if we can see an enlargement of the tabernacle, uh, in, the in the Sinai, well, that's okay. That's okay what you got there. That's okay. <laughs> now you see there's a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. A court roundabout would correlate with Yahshua. The holy place would correlate with Yahweh Elohim. And the most holy place would correlate with Yahweh. Now we're going to take something physical, the tabernacle, explains something about how Yahweh exists. The children's trek through the wilderness explains something about how Yahweh exists. Now we're going to take something that I read about recently and my wife is here now and I would like to have her read. It's from an article in January in Time Magazine, it's called The Race to Save the World. And it's about two individuals who co-founded Bio and Tech. And I can't really even pronounce their names. Oh my God. They're German and Czech or something. And um, Okay. Do you want to tell what magazine it is or anything? Yeah, I, I did. Right. I just did. Right. Okay, we're here then. The, the, the name, I'm sorry. The name of the article is called The Year Ahead. The race. It's the race to find a, a vaccine. Right here where it's underlined, right? Yep. Okay. Then she and a colleague invented an RNA guide gene editing tool, which won them the 2020 Nobel Prize in Chemistry. Now they won this prize in chemistry for this tool they found with DNA and RNA, Reed. The tool is based on a system that bacteria use to fight viruses. Bacteria develop clustered repeated sequences in their DNA known as CRISPRs that can remember dangerous viruses and then de deploy RNA guided scissors to destroy them. This CRISPRs is like scissors and it cuts out bad parts of, of a virus. It just cuts them out. So I've, I've, I've only underlined a few things in this article. Um, the more polytechnical stuff, Carl can work with at some point in the future. 
the plague year of 2020 will be remembered as the time when these traditional vaccines were supplanted by something fundamentally new, genetic vaccines. Now, they, they developed a genetic vaccine. Ordinary vaccines work uh, by diluting uh, the virus itself and putting it back into a cell and then injecting it into your body so that when your immune system recognizes it, it will fight the virus. But this is a genetic. There's no virus involved. It mimics the virus, read. Uh, something fundamentally new, genetic vaccines which deliver a gene or piece of genetic code into human cells. Now it just delivers a piece of code into a human cell. Now, Greg, if you could do me a favor and put the green chart up. There you go, thank you. And enlarge the cell for me. Yeah, you see you have DNA, you have RNA, and you have ribosomes and vacuoles and mitochondria. Now, the pink card part is the cytoplasm or the cell body. The yellow part is the uh, nucleus and the red part is the nucleolus. And in the nucleolus is where the DNA is located. And that just stands for deoxyribonucleus nucleic acid and uh, it's called DNA, it's called the pattern of the body because uh, it, it's in all your cells and it, um, pattern means father. Now I'm not gonna take the time to look this up but if you look at the, the etymology, the original meaning, pattern means father. And DNA is the pattern of yourself. And it's consequently the pattern of your body. Now, gonna, now you're seeing that the cell is threefold because it follows that pattern. Most holy place, holy place, court roundabout. Right. Um, the genetic instructions then cause the cells to produce on their own safe components of the target virus in order to stimulate the patient's immune system. So the cells produce what's necessary themselves to stimulate the immune system. Now, I'm gonna bring, I'm just gonna bring this up now. I'm gonna let you know that your immune system is your witnesses. Your immune system is your knowledge. Your immune system is all those things you need to discern as was brought up by me, 
to the tools you need to fight the mystery of iniquity. Spiritually speaking now, I'm talking about your spiritual immune system. It's your, your physical immune system fights pathogens or viruses or antigens that cause disease, physically speaking. Your spiritual immune system fights the devil. So it's the physical showing us something spiritual. It's showing us something about our father. Uh, no, okay, just where it says no. Go ahead. The big challenge facing a DNA vaccine is delivery. How can you get the little ring of DNA not only into a human cell, but into the nucleus of the cell? Injecting a lot of the DNA vaccine into a patient's arm will cause some of the DNA to get into cells, but it's not very efficient. So what they did was they concentrated on RNA. And I'm going to skip some of this now. I'm going to jump over to here. An mRNA vaccine has certain advantages over a DNA vaccine, which has to use re-engineered virus or other delivery mechanism to make it through the membrane that protects the nucleus of a cell. The RNA does not need to get into the nucleus. It simply needs to be delivered into the more accessible outer region of the cells, the cytoplasm, which is where proteins are constructed. The, the RNA is much easier to use, in other words, because it's simply injected into the cell. Much easier to use than the DNA. Much easier. Now, RNA is also called messenger RNA. Now, if you can go over to the left of the chart. Yes. You see, you have Yahweh Elohim on the left. And this chart is what, is, what it's doing. It's showing it how the, the whole creation is a reflection of Yahweh or Yahweh Elohim. And then you have the most holy place, holy place and court roundabout. And as your second speaker was telling you, there's intercession that goes on in the holy place at the ark of incense, at the altar of incense. And the priest is, is making intercession between Yahweh and the people. And when that high priest who, we, who went into the most holy place once a year would come out of the most holy place and he would tell the low priest in the holy place that atonement had been made and the low priest would go out and tell the people in the court roundabout. So the low priest was like messenger RNA. The high priest is giving the low priest the message. So the pattern is dictating. And then in the cell, 
the DNA is the pattern, it's dictating to the messenger RNA, and then the RNA is going out into the cell body and it's dictating to the cell what to do, how to behave, how to make the sugar that's necessary and the energy to carry on um, um, uh, everything that's for life, for life in your body and your mitochondria and your ribosomes and everything and how they're supposed to behave and they're the, they're the powerhouses of the, of the cell and my goodness, everything's got to go on this way. The messenger RNA is so involved. That's why we're reading about this. And spiritually speaking, that messenger or Yahweh going through those phases of the Godhead is telling us through these Zoom classes, through physical classes, through the, the, the transcripts that we read, through the tapes that we listen to, all it's giving us uh, all, the, all the witnesses we need in the law and in the prophets and in the creation to fight the wiles of the devil. Now she's going to continue to read because I got to really move. Throughout human history, we have been subjected to wave after wave of viral and bacterial plagues. One of the earliest known was the Babylon flu epidemic around 1200 BC. The plague of Athens in 429 BC killed close to 100,000 people. The Antonin plague in the second century killed 5 million. The plague of Justinian in the sixth century killed 50 million and the black death of the 14th century took almost 200 million lives, close to half of Europe's population. These are things you don't always hear about. And then in, you had the Spanish influenza that uh, killed 20 million uh, be between 1918 and 1921 all over the earth. Go ahead. The COVID-19 pandemic that killed more than 1.8 million people in 2020 will not be the final plague. However, thanks to new RNA technology, our def defenses against most future plagues are likely to be immensely faster and more effective. So the things we're learning are going to the, the more wise and the more clever the devil becomes, the better able we're going to be able to fight him with all the witnesses and all the knowledge we're gaining, all the intelligence. And it, we're, it's just giving to us free of charge. It's a, such a beautiful gift, and it's beyond price. Yes, Great inventions come from understanding basic science, 
nature is beautiful that way. Now they're saying in the article, nature is beautiful that way. We know it's not nature, it's spirit law. It's spirit law in operation and it has been spirit law from right from the very beginning. And that's all I'm gonna read there now. And I just, uh, I just wanna go to uh, Acts, the fourth chapter. Uh, well, let me touch on that scripture reading, if I may, that those first verses, what? All right. Those first verses talk about uh, the 10 virgins and the five wise virgins who filled their lamps with oil. They represent the bride of Yahshua and the king represents Yahshua himself. The, the, the other virgins, the foolish virgins, who didn't fill their lamps with enough oil, uh, they are not representing the bride of Yahshua. And the oil, if you study the oil in the tabernacle, it was composed of five ingredients, olive oil, being the main ingredient in, in there. And it five points to Pentecost. If you put a zero on there, it's 50, it's Pentecost. So five is an important number. And so, the oil in their lamps is pointing to knowledge. It's pointing to the knowledge. They were prepared for the wedding day, for the wedding feast of the lamb, the lamb being Yahshua. The, 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 the virgins, the wise virgins representing his body, his church, his assembly, New Jerusalem, Jerusalem above, all of that. It's all, that's what, what this story is talking about. Now, go over to, uh, oh, where, Acts, fourth chapter, please. Where do you want to start? I want to start in, uh, I'm I'm catching up. I'm catching up here. No worries. Uh, ten. Acts four and ten. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yahshua the Messiah of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom Yahweh raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Now this is where Bob Talone went and talk, was able to talk to his father. Finally, after all these years, this is the chapter he went to. 
And this is Peter and this is John after the day of Pentecost. And now they're full of the Holy Spirit and they're bold and they, they just wanna declare the name and the, the power that's in them. Go ahead and read. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, when you have an opportunity, you read the entire chapter, okay? I'm just taking a part out of here. They're, they're telling you that there is none other name, and the name they used to heal the man in this situation was Yahshua, Yahweh is salvation. That's the name they used. And they're saying there's no salvation in any other name. Read, please. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Yahshua. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. So they can't deny it. They can't cook up any schemes. See? Read. 15. And when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the but people. But that it spread no further. Read. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us steadily, or excuse me, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. That they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Now this is in the beginning of this age and we're down here at the end of this age. So we're being threatened that we speak henceforth no more in this age. But Yahshua told them in the 28th chapter of Matthew, the last two verses, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of Yahshua, baptizing them in the name. That's what he said to do. And that's what we're being obedient to. Now, everything that I've said tonight, every single word, Los Angeles does not have the trademarks to. Yahweh has the trademarks to every word I have said. This is Yahweh's tabernacle. This is Yahweh's pattern. This is Yahweh's DNA. 
and I haven't bro I haven't broken any rules. We've only taught the truth and we've taught it by the pattern and we taught it in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And I apologize for being over. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to present this. I hope folks were edified. All praise be to Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you, Dr. Trevison. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today and also viewing us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And we'd like to ask the class to remain silent until the stream is ended. We will now be, we'll now end exit the class with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our savior through Yahshua, the Messiah, our sovereign belong glory and majesty, dominion and power both before all time. And now and ever let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.